We interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast to bring you Listen, Watch, Discuss. Enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Listen, Watch, Discuss. As always, I'm your host, Brent Aiken, and on today's episode, I will be reviewing the Godfather trilogy. Uh, now, this probably goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway because I always like to say it. Uh, despite the fact that, you know, the original is 50 years old and the sequels are, you know, around, the, well, you know, they're older as well. They're not quite 50, you know, but they're close. Uh, you know, the third one is like 30 something years old, but still, you know, they're, they're decades old and they've been out for decades. Uh, but you know, some of you guys who are listening may not have seen the movies like me who just saw them this week. So for whatever reason, if you haven't seen the movies, you want to see them, you don't want to hear my thoughts on the movies. Cause I will be going into spoilers. Uh, probably not spoiling everything that happens in all three movies, but if you don't want to hear spoilers and you want to go see the movies, stop the episode right now and go watch them. But, you know, since they are decades old at this point, if you don't care about spoilers and you want to go check out the movies after listening to my review, then, uh, you know, by all means, uh, please proceed. So with that being said, uh, let's get on to the review. So, The Godfather uh, came out, uh, and I guess this is fitting because I'm reviewing it. It's not quite on the... Actually, when did it come out? Let me look. Okay, well, I'm not quite on the anniversary of The Godfather, but I guess it's kind of fitting that I'm reviewing the movie at the tail end of 2022 because the movie came out 50 years ago this year. It came out, it was released on... uh, well, first it premiered at the Lowe's State, Lowe's State Theater on March 14th, 1972, and was released widely to the public on March 24th, 1972. Uh, it was the highest grossing film of that year and was for a time the highest grossing film ever made. And uh, its budget was between 6 and $7.2 million, and it grossed uh, an astounding 250, well, between a 250 and $291 million. Uh, which is pretty good. But uh, the book, or I mean the movie is based on, it's uh, directed by Francis Ford Coppola, uh, who co-wrote the screenplay with Mario Puzo, who uh, wrote the book that it's based on, that the movie series is based on. It uh, He wrote the book in 1969. Uh, it was his best-selling 1969 novel. And it had the, shared the exact same title as the uh, movie. Uh, and the film, you know, has a star-studded cast from Marlon Brando to Al Pacino, James Caan, Richard Casta- Castellano, Robert Duvall, you know, Diane Keaton, and so on and so forth. Um, but essentially, the movie trilogy, uh, or the trilogy, uh, essentially follows uh, a mafia family in late 40s New York. Uh, I believe it was... Uh, yeah, it, it follows, uh, it chronicles the Corleone family under the patriarch Vito Corleone, which is, of course, Marlon Brando's character. Uh, and it takes place, the first one takes place from 1945 to 1955, so a total of 10 years. And it basically, the, 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 the whole series, you know, takes place over the course of like a few decades. 
uh, and, uh, you know, it, it, it pretty much, the entire trilogy focuses on the Corleone family trying to, you know, stay one step ahead of the FBI and, and, uh, and, you know, the, the, the feds and all that, or, well, they are the feds, <laughs> you know, the police and, and all the authority figures, uh, the U S Supreme court and, uh, and all that, you know, tr- just trying to stay one step ahead of the law. And, uh, and it's also kind of focusing on Michael. It's, it's, uh, Michael's Michael Corleone played by Al Pacino, who does a great job with the role. Uh, it focuses on his rise to become the Don in the head of the family, uh, replacing his dad Vito and then his kind of fall from grace in a way. And, uh, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say right now, I love, I like, and or love all three of these movies. Uh, and it's funny because most, I, I knew a few things about the, I knew a couple things about the, the trilogy going in, or at least a couple lines. Like I've seen some me, I've seen this movie and, and with anything popular, of course, it's going to get memed to death, but I've seen a bunch of memes and I've heard the, uh, from the movies and I've heard a lot of the lines from the movies, you know, the look at how they massacred my boy. You know, I've heard that line, the, uh, I'm going to make him an offer you can't refuse. You know, I've heard that, uh, Al Pacino's line, which was Marlon Brando's character, Vito. I've heard the line from, uh, uh, Michael Al Pacino's character, the, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in that line. Uh, I knew someone got a decapitated horse head in their bed when they woke up the next morning. Uh, but I didn't know when, uh, you know, I didn't know the context of these lines or scenes, you know, I just knew, oh, this happened because I had either heard it from word of mouth, you know, people have been talking about the movie for or the trilogy for years, or I've seen it parodied on other shows or in other movies. Uh, because, you know, I mean, it's with anything popular, it's so ingrained into pop culture that, of course, you would have had to have at least heard about it by now. And 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 like me, at least maybe seen the memes or heard the, you know, the quotes and the lines from the movie, you know, or from the, the movies. And uh, so, you know, I knew like bare bones, basic things like that, but I didn't know I didn't know anything about the plot. Uh, really. Um, and I knew of course, like Marlon Brando and Al Pacino and Robert De Niro were in it. But other than that, I didn't know how it was going to end. I didn't know the intricacies of the plot, you know, but, uh, but I mean, I, I liked all three and, you know, a lot of people say that the second one is the best. And I actually do agree with that. I do think, I think I like the second one, the best of the three. And I know a lot of people weren't too crazy about the third one, you know, from what I've heard from everyone, but, uh, I actually liked the third one too. I know it doesn't have as, I mean, yeah, I'm saying that like it has a a bad reputation. It doesn't have like a really bad reputation, but it's not, it's not like it's looked unfavorably upon, you know, compared to one and two, but it's just not as highly praised as the first two, especially the second one. But, uh, but, you know, I mean, it's not despised by people, or at least I, most people I wouldn't say it's despised by. So, uh, But, yeah, all three are highly enjoyable movies. I, I like them, and I, and to some extent I even love all three of them. But, uh, but the first one is uh, pretty much, you know, it was a huge success. And uh, the first one is pretty much, well, I already said this, but <laughs> I'll say it again. Uh, it's chronicling, chronicling the Corleone family. Uh, who are living under 
the patriarch Vito Corleone, his, his rule, and uh, it takes place from uh, 1945 to 1955. And, um, and it, it basically focuses on Michael's transformation from kind of the family outsider. Like, he's one of uh, Vito's sons, but he's, he, uh, you know, he's a military boy. You know, he joined the military, he fought in World War II, um, and he's just kind of reluctant to join the business. And Vito, because his other children, except for his daughter, uh, Carla, are, you know, kind of deep in the family business. So he kind of wants to keep it that way. He wants to keep everything how it is and leave Michael and Carla kind of out of it. Uh, but, you know, uh, tragedy strikes when um, a <laughs> uh, another mafia boss uh, attempts to take out uh, Vito. Uh, they don't succeed, but they do horribly injure him. Uh, but, you know, he gets rushed to the hospital, and Michael decides he wants to avenge his father. So he kills the, the boss responsible, uh, and he kills the crooked cop who uh, punched him in the face when he was trying to get into the hospital, uh, <laughs> and who was working alongside that other mafia boss. And, uh, and you know, and, and the rest of the movie... You know, he has to hide out for a couple years. He goes to Italy. He meets a beautiful Italian woman, gets married. She ends up getting blown up uh, <laughs> in their car. One of his one of his uh, capos, uh, or, yeah, I think it's a capo. Yeah, one, one of his bodyguards uh, betrays him and plants a bomb in his car, and he doesn't realize it until it's too late. And his beautiful Italian wife, Apollonia, is unfortunately blown up. Uh, but, you know, he comes back. He marries... His former girlfriend, who, you know, he was dating at the beginning of the movie, uh, Kay, uh, played by Diane Keaton. And, um, you know, they have a couple kids and everything's fine, you know. And uh, and, and throughout the course of the, the first movie, we get to see, uh, you know, we get to see, like I said, Michael do a complete 180, almost. You know, go from, you know, this kind of nice, reluctant, you know, normal, average guy, you know, and then transforming into this ruthless mafia boss, you know, and, uh, and, and, and it's, it's a, it's a really a cool thing to watch because, uh, and, and I'm going to compare this to, uh, another, well, uh, a couple shows actually, but with, uh, like Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul, uh, <laughs> and I know I, I reference those shows uh, a good bit, but, but they're, they are my first and second favorite show respectively. So, but you know, this movie does what I love uh, to see in movies and shows about bad guys or anti-heroes. I, you know, I love to see their transformation from kind of a good guy or maybe kind of a, you know, down on his luck, maybe kind of an asshole, but then going full villain, you know, like it, it's always neat to see the transformation into the, uh, of the hero to the villain. I mean, well, I mean, not every movie has the hero become the villain, but it's always cool to see that. Like, you know, in Breaking Bad, it was Walter White, and Better Call Saul, it was Jimmy who became Saul Goodman, you know, and, uh, well, and I guess a few characters from throughout those shows, but they were the main characters, so it's like, you know, I was pulling them, for example. But, you know, and, and then, uh, of course, with The Godfather, uh, the first one, it's uh, Michael, and uh, Al, Pacino, uh, Al Pacino, Al Pacino does a fantastic job. Uh, at playing the character, uh, Marlon Brando does a great job as Vito, um, and of course I kind of made fun of his voice when I did the lisp, he does kind of sound like that, it's not, 
it's not quite as accurate the way I did it to how he sounds in the movie, obviously. Uh, I was just kind of making a joke uh, when I did the voice like that. But, I mean, he does he does kind of mumble lisp. You know, he has like a little mumble lisp when he talks. And uh, but but he does a great job, and uh, he he you know he knocks it out of the park, and he's only in this first movie because he dies uh, towards the end of the movie, and you know he's playing with his grandson Anthony uh, in, in his little garden, and he gets tired and and he dies. Uh, I think he had a heart attack. I want to yeah 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 he died of a heart attack, it, and it was in fifty five. So at the very end of the where this movie takes place, you know, because uh, we start in, started in 1945, he dies in uh, 1955, so. Um, and, of course, you know, there are some betrayals, some unexpected deaths, which I, I named, I guess, a couple deaths already. <laughs> um, oh, and Abe Vigoda is in it, who uh, any of you 90s kids may know, he was uh, <laughs> he was Otis in Good Burger, Um and yeah, he plays uh, Tessio. He's uh, one of the members of the family, uh, or he's one of the soldiers, you know, in the Corleone family. And uh, he ends up getting killed too. Although it's off screen, we don't see it. We don't see his execution on screen. Um, and there's some more deaths. Uh, you know, uh, Vito unfortunately has to witness one of his sons. You know, uh, tragically. Well, he doesn't witness the actual death, but he he sees the body on the examining table and, uh, his, uh, son, Sonny's, uh, body. And it's like, he got shot up like 50 times. So he's like, that's where the, look at how they massacre my boy. That's where that line comes from. And, uh, <laughs> and, it, and, uh, of course I'm again, kind of poking fun at the voice. Uh, it, I mean, it doesn't sound terrible. I mean, it, it sounds good. Uh, you know, and, and, you know, he does a great job at like, I guess, just conveying the sadness of the situation. And, and, but the cool thing though about Vito is that he, he always has his cool. Like most of the time we see him in the first movie, like he pretty much, he's just cool and confident and you calm, you know, like, the, like nothing, hardly anything ever faces him. And if it does, he has a good job. He does a great job of not showing it. Uh, well, the character, not the actor. Although the actor does do a good job at conveying the collectiveness of the character, you know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he he did a great job there in that scene, too. Um, but Sonny, yeah, his, his uh, oldest son, uh, Sonny, is murdered. Uh, uh, yeah, I think it was old. Yeah, his oldest son, yeah. His oldest son is murdered. Um, and... Yeah, there's there's a bunch more murders <laughs> in the movie. Uh there's a great scene where Michael uh he's at his uh sister's uh well uh, he's at, he's at his sister's uh son's I was going to say daughter's. He was at, he's at his sister's son's baptism and he is uh his sister Carla decided he's going to name him uh uh Godfather. I mean, not Carla. What the hell? Connie. I'm sorry. His sister's name's Connie. I got her confused with her shitty husband, Carlo. I'm sorry. <laughs> My mistake. Uh, yeah. Uh, so it, there's a great scene towards the end of the movie uh, where we see, you know, Michael, you know, uh, uh, Vito's dead. I believe he's dead. Is he dead at this point? 
uh, let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. Um, so Vito's dead at this point. Michael is now the head of the family. And while he's at his uh, sister Connie's son's baptism and uh, also the declaration, he's also being declared uh, his, uh, her son's godfather, which is, you know, also where the name of the movie comes in. And also because Vito was god was nicknamed he was also a godfather like a literal godfather uh to some of the members of the family's children but he that was also a nickname of his so that's where the title of the movie comes into play but uh but there's a great scene where he's at her son's baptism and you know before you know he's uh, while he's there uh he is having his soldiers execute the execution <laughs> Uh, he he has the he orders the execution of the heads of the other five families like in New York and also the uh Mo Green the head of this casino that they're trying to buy in uh, in Vegas and uh and yeah the first movie uh fantastic uh i love how it starts out because or i mean i love how it ends because uh michael kills his sister's shitty husband and it's sad because he he declares that she's gone insane after she barges into his office and yells at him, and I, you know, uh, he's like, yeah, I have a doctor look at her, you know, and of course, you know, this typical you could you could argue that this was typical mid fifties, you know, macho man type attitude to just automatically assume if a woman was yelling and screaming, she's hysterical and needs to be examined by a doctor. <laughs> you know, I mean, of course, you know, like the, the patriarch of the, of the time and that the times of the, the mid fifties, you know, weren't exactly the most progressive that they were now, you know, so obviously, and and also the Italian Americans, you know, have a history kind of, I mean, not of like violence towards women, but you know, they, they kind of have a macho attitude as well. You know, they got to, and they got to put up a front, you know, like the mafias, you know, they got to kind of, in a way, hide their feelings and, you know, assert their dominance and all that. So it makes sense. But, you know, I felt bad for Connie because, you know, when we start off the movie, she's getting married. Like the the opening scene is, uh, or the, the opening takes place at Connie's wedding with uh, Carlo. And, uh, you know, Vito you know, he, before he can actually enjoy the, the ceremony or the, the celebration, the party afterwards, he's having to work out some business deals and make some arrangements with some of the members of the family. Um, and, by, and when I say some of the members of the family, I mean, some of them are literal members of the family, like they have the last name Corleone. And then some of them are just members of the family, like metaphorically. I mean, you know, like they're like part of the mafia family, quote unquote, you know, the, <laughs> of the Corleones, but they're not, directly biologically Corleones, if, if that makes sense. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, she starts off. So she starts off the movie so happy, uh, you know, with, with Carlo and they're, they, he seems nice, but then throughout the movie, you know, he becomes shittier to her and, you know, beats the shit out of her and, and all that. And you just feel bad for her and you feel bad for her in the final scene, uh, because, you know, like she, she's, taking up for a piece of shit wife beater, you know, like she, she's taking, she's taking up for her abusive husband. But unfortunately, in a way, that's kind of how it works to an extent. I mean, that's kind of how some women are 
with, or not even just women, but men too, but like anyone who's in an abusive relationship for a, a long time, especially one, because, you know, obviously people who are in abusive relationships, they don't start off, they, more than often they don't start off in an abusive relationship. They start off in a healthy or at least decent relationship and then eventually over time, maybe quickly or maybe slowly over time, but eventually the relationship becomes you know, shitty, it becomes abusive and toxic. And, uh, you know, so anyone, anyone on either side could get abused. It, it's not gender specific. So, but the, um, but you know, you, you feel bad for Connie because she's sticking up for, uh, Carlo, uh, saying, oh yeah, why'd you kill him? He didn't deserve to die. You're, you, we just declared you were the godfather of our baby, you know? And it's like, she, she, it's funny because you, you get a sense that she's kind of happy that he's dead, uh, but she's still sticking up for him because of how things were back then. And because of kind of how things are now in a way, because, you know, she, she's, it's almost like she's trying to convince herself that this wasn't a good decision, uh, that killing Carlo or at least getting him some, somehow getting him out of the picture without killing him wasn't a good decision, but it was. But, you know, she is so, she's been abused for several years, you know, she's like 10 years almost. And, uh, you know, it's like, it's almost like she can't handle the fact that he's gone, you know, like, because like I said, she's trying to convince herself that things would have been better off had he not been killed because their relationship started out so great in the beginning. And, you know, and over time it just got worse, you know, but, uh, but yeah, you feel bad for her. And then Kay, uh, you know, because Michael and, and her uh, get married earlier in the movie, uh, Kay's his wife, uh, she, uh, Kay asks Michael um, if Connie was telling the truth, and uh, and he denies it. <laughs> of course, he's lying, but, you know, to, to keep Kay out of the business, out of the family business, you know, but... Uh, but some, but the movie ends. the The final shot is a uh, some of Michael's capos entering his office and paying reverence to Michael as the Don, as Don Corleone, uh, before closing the door. And we look at, and we see Kay looking into the office one more time before Michael shuts the door. And and I'm like, oh, it's such a great way to end the movie because it's like so that's solidifying his, you know, that that final, you know, him lying to Kay. Uh, you know, the capo's coming in to declare him the Don or, you know, acknowledge that he's the Don and him closing the door is kind of, it's a good way to end the movie because it's like solidifying his, you know, that he's now become what he, what his father was trying to prevent him from becoming. He's now the head of the, the this, you know, their mafia family. And, um, and, and also it's cool because the, it also foreshadows in a way the events of the second movie, uh, with him closing the door and looking at Kay, like the two of them looking at each other before he closes the door kind of also foreshadows their relationship becoming even more and more, uh, you know, distant. And I guess in a way toxic, yeah, toxic and distant and shitty, you know, like it's solidified and, you know, it doesn't help the fact that they have a kid now. I mean, you know, they end up having a couple more kids or they end up having another kid in the second one. But, uh, but yeah, it was, um, uh, yeah, that, that was great. And then fantastic. Uh, and then the second movie, I'll go ahead and move on to the second movie. The second movie, uh, whoops, wait, not part three. Uh, 
<laughs> sorry, I accidentally clicked on part three. Uh, so the second movie, part two, uh, was released in uh nineteen seventy four. So it was just it was released only two years after the first one was released, and it's uh partially based on the novel. Some of it's you know some of it they uh, uh Francis and Mario they wrote originally for the movie, you know, because most of the events of the book uh, take place in the first one. So more of the second one is original new material, not based on the book. Um, But I I totally understand why people say this is, uh, why a lot of people claim this is one of the greatest movies of all time and one of the greatest sequels of all time, because, you know, I mean, it does what any good sequel should do. It, you know, furthers the uh, events of the previous story without feeling like a rehash. You know, it's like continuing the adventures, you know, and and the story and the plot of the first one without just doing the exact same thing. You know, you could do something similar or you could do something entirely new, but you don't want to do the exact same thing or else you'll feel like a rehash. You know, or your sequel will will feel like a rehash of the of its predecessor of the first movie, you know, and, uh, you know, and, uh, and they don't do that. You know, they, they do, they, again, this movie, like the first one has a lot of good twists and turns, uh, you know, a lot of great acting again from all the characters, you know, Al Pacino, uh, you know, Robert Duvall, Diane Keaton, and this movie has, um, uh, Robert De Niro in it. And, uh, and I think it's cool because, you know, I was like, oh, well, I wonder who he plays. Because I knew he was in the trilogy. I just didn't know what character he portrayed. Um, and he ends up playing a young Vito. Because, and this is a, what, and what's cool uh, about this uh, sequel is that, you know, not only does it not do the, not follow the exact same plot as the previous movie, but it's also both a sequel and a prequel. Because half of the movie, you know, uh, is a, is, a sequel continuing the events of the first one. And then the other half, uh, we get flashbacks to Vito's rise to power. Like we see him from when he's a nine-year-old boy in Sicily, Italy. And, uh, and in 1901, <laughs> so we go all the way back to 1901. And then we, we see him, you know, uh, tr- you know, uh, his father and his brother and his mother, basically his whole family is murdered, not all at once, but, but, you know, uh, his mother goes to, confront the Don who's responsible for his father and brother's death. And she's like, you can't kill my son. And the Don's like, no, we got to kill him because if we don't, he's going to come back for revenge later. And she's trying to convince him. And then, you know, she basically, you know, tries to attack him and tells Vito to get the hell out of there. She ends up getting shot. He sees this, like he turns his back while he's running. He sees it. And you know, that right off the bat, you're like, okay, well, I mean, you don't, quite know for sure, but you have a, you have a strong feeling that, you know, it's like, okay, Vito's going to come back and and kill this guy. Uh, and he does, but, uh, you know, he goes and at first he's, uh, Andolini, I believe is his last name. Uh, yes, Vito Andolini. Uh, so, but he arrives, uh, in, uh, he escapes to New York city, you know, back when, uh, all the immigrants from, from Ireland and, and Italy and, and, uh, you know, everywhere else when they, when they were all moving to, you know, they moved into Ellis Island on New York or in New York. Uh, they all came to America and 
he arrives and he's registered on Revival because he was in uh, Corleone, Sicily. Uh, that's the the town he was in in Sicily, uh, which is in Italy, you know. <laughs> but he, uh, since he was from the town of Corleone, he is given a new name, last name, uh, Vito Corleone. And, uh, and, you know, we see, you know, he, he, in 1917, he's living in New York, he's married to his wife, Carmela, and they have their first son, Sonny. And, um, you know, we just kind of see him, you know, becoming a little bit more of a tougher, we, you know, like I said, we see his rise to becoming a mafia boss. And, uh, but what's so cool is that it's so different from Michael's rise to power because where uh, Vito's rise to power was, uh, you know, he, he had to earn his way up. Uh, Michael was kind of just given the, the opportunity to be the Don. Like, you know, he was the, like, it's like, okay, well, you know, he didn't have to work for it because everything was already kind of set in place for him. You know, it's all, all he, all he needed was, you know, the acknowledgement of everyone that, okay, well, I'm my father's son. So, you know, I, I'm going to just, I'm going to take over, you know, and you're going to be cool with that. You know, I mean, he didn't really have any oppositions to that. I mean, he does have some oppositions, but not really to him taking over or at least not not too many to where he couldn't just immediately take over, you know? And, uh, but you know, like, but we see Vito, we see, uh, how he became the mafia boss. He is in the first Godfather. And, uh, and you really get to see just how much more he earned the title of, or, you know, just how much more he earned that title of Don than Michael did. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying Michael didn't do his best to, keep the family secure, but throughout the second one, we kind of see it all start to fall apart around him. Like we, we slowly start to see everything go to shit, uh, for him (laughs) in the second one and, or in this one. And, uh, but it's so cool, uh, seeing Vito's backstory and it's, what's cool too, is that every time we cut back to his backstory, uh, you know, every time, you know, cause we start off, uh, in the prequel part, we start off the flashback of him as a nine-year-old boy in 1901. And then, you know, we cut to the present and, you know, we keep doing that throughout the movie and, uh, and, you know, and we get enough flashbacks to where it's about half the movie. Like I said, half the movie's a prequel. The other half is a sequel. And, uh, and not a lot of sequels do that. Uh, and you know, not, not all sequels have a reason to flashback to, events before the first movie, you know, or before the previous movie. But, you know, it's, that's something that makes this movie more unique than the average sequel is the fact that that's a part of the, the movie, you know, uh, but you know, uh, Robert, De, uh, I was going to say Robert Duvall, <laughs> Robert De Niro does a fantastic job at playing a young Vito. Uh, and every time we cut back to him, except for in the first flashback when he's a, you know, clearly played by a kid, when we cut back to him, every other time it's uh cool to see him cuz we we slowly but surely see him change more and more into the Vito we see in the beginning of the Godfather in the beginning of the first one and uh you know from the from the attitude to the to the voice and and it's subtle but like you slowly start to see it throughout the course of the movie and it and it's just it's it's cool to watch it's like oh shit you know it's like it, i i always love prequels that are executed 
I, I love prequels if they're executed well enough or perfectly. And in my opinion, this, and again, going back to Better Call Saul, this and Better Call Saul are two of the best prequels, even though technically this is half a sequel, you know, but <laughs> half a prequel, uh, you know, but th- this and Better Call Saul are two of the best prequels that I've seen because, you know, one, they don't contradict anything that happened in, you know, either movie or either show in Better Call Saul's case. And two, they don't, you know, they add on to the story. I mean, they add on to what we already kind of knew about Vito or about the character, you know, um, and just make it compelling and interesting to watch, you know, and that's important when making a prequel. Cause you know, you don't want to contradict anything you established earlier or prior to telling the prequel, you know, uh, and they don't, which is good, but, uh, it's, it's, you know, we see Vito, uh, you know, kind of, you know, kind of just stepping up and doing the right thing, kind of, uh, essentially he takes out, he's not really a Don, he's more like a neighborhood bully, they say that in the movie, but two of, uh, uh, two of Vito's friends, Clemenza, who's in the first one, uh, he ends up dying in the first one though, uh, but his friend Clemenza, uh, who's his neighbor, and, uh, his other friend, I forgot his name, oh, uh, Salvatore, Oh, Tessio. Yeah, yeah, it's Tessio. Yeah. Who was in the first one too. That's Abe Vigoda's character in in the first one. But yeah, so Tessio, Clemenza and Vito are, you know, uh at dinner one night at Vito's apartment and he's being told by them that the new that Don Fanucci is a local black hand extortion extortionist and he uh you know, he he's just kind of he's a neighborhood bully. He's just, you know, causing trouble throughout the neighborhood and uh and he and Vito ends up losing his job due to Don's or Don uh, Don Fanucci's interference, uh, you know. So which sucks, uh, but he ends up, uh, he ends up, um, you know, getting uh, from Clemenza. He, uh, you know, he kind of gets the courage to stop Fanucci. So and 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 what is really a well executed plan too. Uh, he kind of has a meeting with the Don. He lets him know. He's like, Hey, you know, if you ever need any help, let me know. Um, you know, he, uh, well, it's funny cause Vito tells Clemenza and Tessio, he's like, Hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk to him into accepting a smaller payment because, uh, they're essentially, uh, what they're doing is they're making income for themselves by stealing goods and reselling them door to door. Uh, but Fanucci, he, you know, finds this out and he's like, Hey, I want a cut of this. And Vito is telling Clemenza and Tessio, he's like, look, I'm going to talk to him into accepting a smaller payment. And, uh, and what's, what's cool is that he waits until, uh, there's this big parade going on downtown. Uh, Vito, uh, pays Fanucci a much smaller amount. He's offered a job as an enforcer. But then, during like one of the loudest parts of the parade where there's fireworks and everything going on, Vito shows up and kills Fanucci at his, at his apartment. He shows up, he sneaks in above the roof, like he's like he's like walking and cr- jumping across the ro- roofs of the <laughs> of the apartments, you know, and like moving alone side of Fanucci, like he's like watching him from the ground. And at first, I thought he was gonna like sniper him. I thought he was gonna Lee Harvey Oswald him, you know, like shoot him from the roof. Um, uh, 
But then I thought, well, no, that's going to be a little bit too obvious, or that might be a little too obvious, you know, especially if he doesn't have a silencer, it's going to be, it's going to sound loud as shit, you know. Um, but no, so what he ends up doing, he, he goes in from the roof, he sneaks into his apartment, uh, and he walks down the stairs, he sneaks in, and he muffles, because he doesn't have a silencer, and I don't think they had silencers in 1917, but he, uh, he silences his pistol with a towel, uh, he has a white towel, he just covers around it, he sneaks up, as soon as, uh, Fenucci opens the door, he shoots him in the chest, shoots him in the head, and, uh, you know, and now, and he's, and that's kind of, you know, his taking over of the neighborhood, in a way, uh, or at least getting rid of Fenucci, and then, you know, of course, context clues, you know, we kind of know, it's like, oh, okay, well, over time, he, I mean, you know, and, and we already kind of know that he's already recognized as, uh, or he, he's, you know, we, in, in the other flashbacks, we get to see people, you know, they're like, we recognize him, they're, that they're recognizing him as a, a bigger threat, or, you know, they're, that uh, they're a better, shit, that he's uh, probably a better Don than the previous Don. It's like, oh, shit, you took out the Don single-handedly, <laughs> like, yeah, you're not bad, kid, you know, like, you're not, you're not bad, Vito. And, uh, and then the uh, other flashback, you know, we get some more information. Uh, he goes to, uh, yeah. So yeah, yeah. He becomes a formidable and well-respected member of the community. And he, and you know, by helping the locals, uh, in exchange for quote unquote favors, you know, so, and then, uh, the next flashback. Oh yeah. And in 1917, yeah. Or around the 1910s, uh, Michael, I mean, Vito and Carmela have Fredo, Michael, and Connie. And uh, I forgot to mention that, yeah. And then in 1923, Vito and his family go to Sicily, and Vito and his business partner visit Don... Ch... Ch... Shit, I'm butchering this. Uh, Chico? Sachiko? Sachiko. I, I think I'm butchering that, but anyway. They visit Don... Sachiko. 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 I'm just going to go with that. Sorry. You visit Don Sachiko and, uh, they're asking for his blessing on their olive oil business. You know, the kind of, it's just a ruse. They're like, oh yeah, we, you know, we'd like to, you to kind of go in with us on this uh, business. You know, we, if that's cool, you know, we'd like to go in business with you on all the production of olive oil and all that. And, uh, you know, he asks for the name of Vito's father. Uh, Sachiko does. Vito reveals his identity and he stabs him to death and gets the hell out of there, <laughs> which was cool to see. And then, you know, so that's the prequel part of the the movie. And then the sequel part, we start off in 1958, so a few years at, uh, later, and, you know, we start with Michael's son, Anthony, or Tony, uh, at his first communion party at uh, Lake Tahoe, uh, yeah, at Lake Tahoe, uh, Michigan, I believe, uh, yeah, or well, yeah, yeah, well, it's in, it's in between Nevada and California, but yeah, so, <clears throat> but yeah, so, and essentially, uh, the sequel part of the movie is, you know, Michael kind of trying to, you know, deal, he, a bit, uh, essentially, he gets an attempt on his life, you know, there's an assassination attempt on his life, and, you know, this kind of creates turmoil within the family, because now Michael's trying to figure out who he can and cannot trust, and, uh, and, you know, as expected, there are more deaths 
more twists and turns and more betrayals uh, throughout the sequel part of the movie. And, um, you know, and, uh, you know, there, there's, uh, one of the members, uh, Frank, he ends up, uh, getting, uh, he ends up thinking that, uh, Michael tried to have him killed. So he testifies against him in court and goes to the FBI, uh, you know, and then he ends up having to back out of that because Michael brings his brother from Italy in <laughs> to, to the courtroom and, uh, and so, and cause he knows how, I guess he knows how tough his brother can be. He's like, oh shit, my brother's here. So he just reneges on everything that he said. He goes back on all of it. Um, and then eventually, you know, his story ends at the end with, uh, I mean, obviously it ends at the end, but his story at the end ends with him, uh, getting a visit from, uh, from Tom who he's not an official Corleone, but his father, but Vito, uh, took him in as one of their own. Uh, because they needed a lawyer and he trusted him. So he, and he kind of raised him from a, to, from a young age. So in a way he's Michael's unofficial third brother, you know, he's like the fifth, uh, child of the, the Corleones, you know, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, uh, he gets a visit from Tom at the end, uh, and tells him, you know, that the only way, I mean, well, it's a little bit more subtly than that, but he's like, you know, the only way to protect your family is if you kill yourself, you know, you got to kind of make it seem like, oh yeah, you committed suicide. And so he does, he slits his wrists in the bathtub. Um, and the FBI, you know, run in, they're like, oh shit, you know, when they find out. And, uh, but you know, because he killed himself, it looks less suspicious, you know, because they didn't know that the Corleones came by to tell Frank to, that he had to kill himself in order to protect his family, you know? And, uh, and you know, and, and there's a lot more to the movie. Like they go to, uh, they go to, um, um, uh, Cuba and, you know, which is cool. You know, they, they do some business in Cuba. Uh, they are, uh, working with Hyman Roth, who he was a, who's, who's a longstanding, uh, business partner of the family. Uh, he's a Jewish mob boss, uh, who he wasn't in the first one. We didn't see him there, but uh, this is his introduction in the series. Uh, we get to see him. Um, you know, he's, he's a neat addition, uh, but he ends up getting killed <laughs> at the end. Uh, and you know, and, and it's funny cause it's like just when he thinks that he's escaped to uh, Panama, I believe he was escaping to Panama. Yeah. He ends up, uh, yeah, getting shot in the middle of the airport and, uh, oh, and also, uh, another interesting addition that I didn't expect was, uh, the character of Johnny Ola, who gets murdered while they're in, uh, Cuba. They're in Havana, to be more specific, but they're in Havana, Cuba, and, uh, on New Year's Eve, you know, he gets mur- uh, Johnny's, Johnny Ola's character, he gets murdered, I mean, not his character, but the character of Johnny Ola gets murdered, strangled to death on his balcony, but, uh, it took me so long, like, my dad pointed it out, because we, we watched the movies, uh, Monday. We watched the first one Monday, the second one Wednesday and the third one Thursday. We, when we were watching the second one, he told me, he kept, he said, okay, do you recognize that guy? And I was like, ah, shit, who is he? Uh, and he's like, listen to how he talks. And it took me like a minute or two, a minute or two after he actually showed up in the, uh, movie, like, like a minute or two after his character, you know, wasn't on the screen. I'm like, oh shit, that's uncle junior from the Sopranos. And yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, Dominic Chinese, Chinese, 
it looks like Chinese with an A. I think it's Chinese, but Chinese. Dominic Chinese, who played Uncle Junior on The Sopranos. Uh, but, you know, be, but because it was The Sopranos premiered in 99, and this was in 74, that was a good 25 years uh, before The Sopranos, this movie. So that's why I didn't recognize him off the bat. But, you know, and that's why it took me a minute. But I'm like, oh, shit, it's him. And he didn't have a huge role in the movie, but it was just cool to see that someone from The Sopranos, which, you know, I watched a year before these movies, uh, show up in, in the Godfather trilogy. So, um, but yeah, so, you know, and, uh, you know, things, you know, we kind of see things slowly start to fall apart. You know, like I said, the FBI and the Supreme Court and, or, and the Senate, you know, are on the Corleone's asses, you know, uh, (laughs) but, you know, and then it ends with, um, uh, you know, like I said, the murder, you know, they murder, uh, Hyman, uh, they convince Frank to commit suicide, you know, under threat of, you know, his family being, uh, killed, you know, and then Fredo, because he kind of went behind Michael's back and, you know, took sides with someone else from the family, uh, he is, uh, killed. Um, Michael, yeah, yeah, he's killed and, um, you know, Kay, and yeah, Michael and Kay have a, you know, a huge fight. Kay admits that she had an abortion, uh, you know, and, you know, which, which, uh, she lied about at first and said was a miscarriage because she didn't want to have another baby with Michael and have him grow up, have him or her grow up in this mafia world, you know, and they have a, they kind of have a fight. Michael slaps the shit out of her, uh, and Kay leaves and t- says bye to the children, or tries to, before Michael shows up, but then she kind of has to, you know, not, she kind of has to hold her tongue when Michael shows up, and he closes the door on her. And then, you know, she goes, or she leaves, you know, they kind of, you know, they don't, we don't see the divorce, but they get divorced, and uh, Anthony go, Anthony and, uh, uh, not Maria, uh, Mary, yeah, Anthony and Mary, or Tony and Mary, uh, end up, uh, essentially, um, you know, they, they, uh, well, no, actually, yeah, Tony is fishing with Fredo on the boat, and then he goes back inside, uh, or I think he was going with his mom, I, I, I forgot exactly, but, but, you know, they, they couldn't kill Fredo with Anthony around, you know, so they end up killing him after Anthony leaves the boat, and they shoot him in the in the back of the head on the fishing boat, and uh, and you know and Michael looks off in the distance, and uh, and yeah, so yeah, uh, Kay's yeah Kay visits uh, Anthony and Mary, she's saying goodbye, but then Michael arrives, closes the door on her, and what's cool, I love the flashback, and the honestly the the movie series the it, trilogy could have ended with this one, because the way it ends is. Uh, with a flashback to Vito's 50th party. And we don't see Vito, uh, but we see the family uh, all sitting at the table. Or we see we see Michael, Sonny, Fredo, Tom, and Connie. And some of, I think, Sonny's children. So we see them uh, all sitting at the table and having a conversation. And I just love, because we, I love it because we get to see everyone's characteristics all their personality traits and, and all that. We could see Sonny's kind of uh, hot-headedness. We see Fredo's kind of meek, 
you know, attitude, uh, you know, kind of his meek supportiveness of Michael, you know, but also kind of, again, the reason why he's meek is because, you know, he's, he's seen as weak by everyone else in the family. We see Connie, Connie's, you know, kindness. We get to see, uh, Michael's, you know, kind of just average Jonas, I guess for lack of a better word, you know, his, his reluctantness of, of the family's business, you know, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, we get to see kind of Tom being the more reasonable, logical one. And, and, uh, and it's just cool that, you know, it highlights all five of the Corleone siblings personalities so well. Uh, and it, and it really goes to show as well that there's no going back. Like Michael, he's had one brother murdered. Uh, I mean, not by his own hand. He's, he's had one brother savagely shot 50 times, you know, a few years back. And then he, in order to protect the family, had to kill a member of his family. He had to kill one of his other brothers by shooting him in the back of the head. Uh, so at this point, there's only three members, three, uh, siblings left in the family. Uh, and the, and also not only that, but their mother Carmela dies too. And he was only waiting to kill Fredo until after their mother died, which is kind of the shitty thing about it because, you know, she lived her whole life thinking, oh, okay, everything's fine with my siblings. You know, that none of the, none of my other children are going to die, you know, and, and Michael is ass waited until like, you know, that not a moment after, or, you know, hardly a moment after their mother died to kill Fredo. Uh, so yeah, there's only three members of the, you know, adult siblings, you know, there's three members of the family. I'm not counting the children, you know, uh, and, you know, and, and that flashback just goes to show that there's no going back from what's happened in the last two movies. And, you know, it, it goes to show how simpler things were before Michael became the Don, you know? Uh, and yeah, so second one was great. Uh, I'm almost at the hour mark, so I'm going to go ahead and go over the third one. So, uh, so the third one, uh, it came out in 1990. And the reason it came out so late was because, uh, one reason was because Francis Ford Coppola was reluctant to make it because he thought he was content with leaving the Corleone story alone and he didn't really have any desire to go back to it. And the other reason was because, um, Mario Puzo, who wrote the original novel, uh, and had collaborated heavily with Francis in the making of the first two movies was dead. And they thought, well, without the man who created the characters, uh, you know, we, we don't know if we could do this justice, you know? And, um, but you know, they ended up making the third one and this is the one that a lot of people say is their least favorite. And I could totally get that. Uh, it might even be my least favorite, but still it, this, if this is a least favorite, it's still a really good movie. Like, uh, don't think that that's me saying that, oh, it's, I mean, if, even if it's the worst, which technically least favorite is just a nicer way of saying worst, uh, it's still a great movie in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, so it, it came out like 16 years after (laughs) the second one. It's just crazy to think that there was a two year gap in between the first two. And then the third one came out 16 years later. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it finally came out and the version I watched was uh, one that the ending was a little different. Uh, and the, at the end of that one, Michael apparently had a heart attack. But at the end of the one I watched, uh, apparently he just kind of, which I, I assumed he died, but he was like sitting uh, by himself in a chair, just watching the sunset or watching the, 
I'm just watching the sky, just looking at the sky. But I assumed he died. It kind of looked like he slipped in, into a coma, or, or not slipped into a coma, but like had maybe a heart attack or just died of old age. But uh, but anyway, so essentially this movie, uh, you know, Michael's way older now. He's in his 60s, and we are now in, uh, in, in the story, we are now in 1979. Uh, oh wait, Michael's not 60. He's almost, he's close to being 60. Uh, but yeah, it's 1979. Michael, you know, is kind of reflecting on his life and realizing that he might not have been the best Don or made the best choices, uh, for the family. And he does kind of regret killing his brother, even if it had to have been done in a way for the family. So he, um, he is, uh, trying to legitimize his, uh, businesses and, um, or he's, he's trying to get into legitimate businesses and, uh, t- uh, cutting all ties with anything illegitimate so he can kind of hopefully retire and live a happy, peaceful life until his death, you know, and, and not have to worry about being murdered <laughs> or going to jail, which, you know, is, is what happens with a lot of members of the mafia. You know, they're either murdered or they live out the rest of their lives in, in jail. Um, so, you know, and, uh, and it's, and I, you know, it's cool to see an older Michael, like an older, kind of wiser Michael and kind of more humble Michael in a way. Uh, and again, Al Pacino does a great job at playing this older version of the character. Uh, it was cool to see him and Diane Keaton's character. Uh, it was cool to see Michael and Kay kind of, uh, uh, not reinvigorate, I guess reinvigorate, kind of, uh, reinvigorate their relationship. Cause you know, it, it, the, throughout the movie, we kind of slowly start to see them become closer to each other, kind of almost how they were back in the first movie in a way. And, uh, that was really fun to watch. I, I liked the, I liked the chemistry between the two of them. Um, uh, uh, Sophia Coppola, she plays, uh, who's, uh, Francis Ford Coppola's daughter she plays, uh, Mary, she plays, um, uh, the older, cause you know, this 16 years later, or in the context of the story, it's about 20 years later, maybe, but yeah, so she plays, um, Mary, uh, Michael and Kay's daughter, uh, and I know a lot of people were saying, ah, she wasn't that great, I actually thought she did a pretty decent job, I thought she was pretty good, um, Frank, Frank D. Ambrosio plays, uh, Tony, uh, their son, he did a good job too. Uh, again, for that, for the two of them, for them, for this being their only movie in the trilogy, uh, or, you know, for their actors, because the characters were both, I think they were both in the first one or was Mary born in the second one? My bad. I, I forgot for a second, but yeah, but you know, for, cause the, the characters existed in the first and second movies, but these actors portraying them didn't. So it was cool to see that. Uh, but they did a good job. Um, uh, Andy Garcia, he's a new character. Vincent, he turns out to, uh, it turns out Sonny had a couple, uh, bastard children and he's one of them. So <laughs> he's, uh, he's brought into the mix and he kind of shakes things up. It's cool to see him. Um, Talia Shires, you know, she's back as Connie. She does a great job. Um, and you know, and essentially, yeah, like I said, that's, you know, him legitimate, trying to legitimize his business or we well, yeah, already said that, you know, so he's, uh, essentially that's what Michael's trying to do. And, uh, the movie ends with them. Uh, there's a little love story between Vincent and, 
and Mary, which, uh, you know, Michael tells him, hey, if you want to be a part of the Corleone family, you cannot date my daughter. So he dumps her, you know, pretty maturely um, and respectfully. And the movie ends, uh, they're in Italy. I believe they're in Italy. They're in Rome. uh, And they end up executing some of the members who were behind yet another attempt on Michael's life at one of his Vegas casinos. Uh, You know, they which, you know, included an archbishop and, 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 uh, a banker and several other people. Um, and so, you know, while, and kind of similar to the first movie, while they're doing something minute and not boring, but just kind of like average, you know, going to see the opera, uh, Michael is having, you know, his men execute these murders, uh, you know, simultaneously. And unfortunately though, there's one member there's one person that they didn't know about that ends up accidentally killing Mary. They're going, they were going for Vito. I mean, not Vito. They were going for Michael and they end up shooting Michael, but Mary just happened to be standing in front of Michael, trying to get his attention, telling him, Hey, you know, trying to tell him something. Uh, but they shoot through her and the bullet goes through her chest and stomach and it hits Michael in the shoulder, you know, just a little bit above his heart and Mary dies. And at first I was like, ah, what the hell? You know, like, because I actually liked Mary. But in a way, it kind of also puts even more of an emphasis on just how terrible this whole thing was with uh, uh, Michael's rise to power. Because, you know, he, you know, in in the time, from where we started in the first movie to where we end off, in the first one, he loses a brother. And the second movie, he loses uh, a brother by his own hands. And in the third one, he loses his child, one of his children, at the hands of uh, one of his enemies. So in a way, it's kind of a neat progression of like him slowly losing everything, you know, and like and and unfortunately for him, he lost one of his children, uh, you know, because of the business. And and what sucks even more is the fact that he has, you know, this was him, his swan song. This was his swan song, him trying to escape the business and go out on his own terms, you know, just, just leave, uh, the business and, you know, just again, live out the rest of his days in solitude. Uh, and there was some great facial acting by Al Pacino when he was like screaming after he saw his daughter get shot in front of him. Um, so it was great on his part, but yeah. And then the movie ends with, you know, him looking at, uh, um, you know, the movie ends with him, kind of just like, uh, you know, it's like years later, he's way older, he's sitting alone in the courtyard of, uh, of a villa in Italy, run by Don Toma, Tomasino, and he slumps over in his chair and falls lifeless to the ground. Uh, although in the version I watched, he didn't fall to the ground, but he did slump over in his chair, so I just assumed, oh yeah, he's dead. So, uh, but yeah, so the third one, uh, the box office was $136.9 million. And its budget was $54 million. So it didn't quite gross as much as the second one. But it did gross a pretty good amount considering it came out 16 years after the second one. So uh, so yeah, that was my review of the Godfather trilogy. Loved all th- Liked and loved all three of them. Um, and if you haven't seen the movies, go watch them. I think you'll like and love them too. They're long as shit, especially the second one. It's three hours and 20 minutes. But uh, I I don't think you'll regret it. It's a very interesting story. Acting's great, you know, everything about it is great. And, uh, yeah, so go watch it. I think you'll enjoy it. 
or go watch them. I think you'll enjoy them. So, uh, but with that being said, I hope you guys have a great weekend and, uh, or great rest of your weekend. Cause it's almost over. Have a great week and I will see you next Friday for my review. It might be a double review. It might be my review of season six of Rick and Morty and Atlanta or one or the other, but yeah. So with that being said, I'll see you guys next week for that review. Have a great week and take care.